the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Monday, November 29th, 2021. I hope you guys all had a great holiday. I see Anthony Fauci is back in the news, as is a new variant of the coronavirus. Not from here, of course. The place where all bad things originate and are dispatched from usually, at least according to the squad and others educated in all things America and our nation's high school and colleges. I see concomitantly to Dr. Fauci's reappearance, there are other things receiving less news. Here's a story I'm not the first to point out that has all but disappeared. No, not the two people killed by Kyle Rittenhouse, who was exonerated of all charges, but the six people killed in Waukesha. Six being a lot more than two, three times as many. You might think he would receive three or some other number more than the same amount of news as Mr. Rittenhouse did. One red state author put it this way, quote, there are children still in critical condition from the Waukesha attack after six people were already murdered and the media are just done. No investigation into his background, no search for a motive, no panel segments speculating on his racist views. They are just done, close quote. I guess when the dog whistle is a human megaphone, Hitler and Malcolm X and BLM loving histrionics all over the social media account. We have to be reminded to ignore those alarms. Instead, the important thing is to tighten up our hearing aids and scrupulously listen to a speech about equality or Martin Luther King and or marginal tax rate cuts and therein find the dog whistles of racism. What did C.S. Lewis warn about? He wrote, quote, the use of fashions and thought is to distract the attention of men from their real dangers. We direct the fashionable outcry of each generation against those vices of which it is least in danger and fix its approval on the virtue nearest to that vice which we are trying to make endemic. The game is to have them all running about with fire extinguishers whenever there is a flood and all crowding to that side of the boat which is already nearly underwater, close quote. You see another version of this with the effort to sanction a congresswoman from Colorado for making a joke about Ilan Omar. Let us admit the joke was tasteless. Let it further be news that the congresswoman from Colorado apologized and sought a face-to-face -face meeting. There is no effort, however, to sanction Ilan Omar, who was not joking, when she called Israel an evil country or trotted out anti-Semitic slurs about Jews and money or made fun and light of 9-11 or stated we are too uptight about organizations like Al-Qaeda or that Donald Trump was a fascist, a racist, and a tyrant. In fact, for all of that, she was given money and endorsements from the leadership of the Democratic Party, including from Nancy Pelosi and over and against not fellow Republicans, but fellow Democrats trying to challenge her record of socialism and bigotry and anti-Americanism. 
In fact, for all that, why should she ever feel the need to apologize? After all, she was, as mentioned, rewarded by her party after it all. But all of the current charges against anyone today, in 2021, fall a bit flat. The greatest crime committed by the Democrats is the ultimate of tyranny, right out of the looking glass. The changing of our dictionary, the corruption of our language, the abuse of words, as Omar and Biden and Pelosi and Kamala Harris have done by calling out racism and fascism and tyranny where it doesn't exist and using it for strictly partisan pyrite. They have diluted the special meaning and importance and poignancy and pungency of words like racism and white supremacy. Hell, if black men running for governor and Cuban-Americans can be white supremacists and Donald Trump can be a tyrant and a fascist and a racist, then tyranny, after all these free elections, and fascism, after all the deregulation, and racism, after all the work in healing the problems of non-Western countries and grandfathering Orthodox Jews and record-level minority advancement in public office, all these negatives simply ring hollow, don't they? They've been denuded. So we search for words today to describe Adolf Hitler and Louis Farrakhan. To solve this search, the culture ignores the lessons Hitler operated under and the philosophy of Nuremberg. Indeed, we repeat it, and we make Farrakhan a respected elder statesman, rewarded with high-level meetings from our office holders and praise. But there's a lot of unjust rewarding going on these days. May I go back to Anthony Fauci? Given his record of wrong and his record of admitted lies, I hope he is not right when he said in June, quote, attacks on me are attacks on science. And again, over this weekend on CBS, quote, but they're really criticizing science because I represent science and that's dangerous, close quote. When Anthony Fauci said there's no reason to be walking around with a mask when you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better and it might even block a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think it is. And often there are unintended consequences, people fiddling with the mask who keep touching their face, close quote. When followed up to ask if people fiddling as such could make things worse, Dr. Fauci answered in the affirmative, now the fact Checkers on this line will write, in fact, do write when you look up that quote of Anthony Fauci's, that what? It's outdated. Can't quote him anymore. It's outdated. But he said it in March of last year. That would be 34 years into his tenure as the head of the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases. Were we to expect a man with 56 years of medical experience on top of that? To just be wrong about masks and the way viruses spread and still trust him? Evidently, because it was around the same time he said on the Today Show, quote, right now at this moment, there is no need to change anything you are doing on a day-to-day basis. The risk is low, close quote. Now, as the virus spread further, after Nancy Pelosi and Bill de Blasio and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris called Trump racist and xenophobic for shutting down travel from China, about which more in a moment, and encouraged people to large outdoor congregate gatherings at the respective Chinatowns, and it spread further, a vaccine was seen as our North Star 
as our way out. And Anthony Fauci stated three times last year, by my count, that we would not have a vaccine last year until we did. And it was announced one week after the presidential election. We are pretty used to congressional hearings on market manipulations and insider trading, aren't we? How many hearings do you recall on the timing of the vaccine's announcement? But that wasn't the end of Dr. Fauci's list of being wrong. You'll recall he also advised that once the vaccine developed, that he said it would not be we could take our masks off. As you may recall, he went from no masks to one mask, and then that we should be wearing two masks before we could take them all off with the advent of the vaccine before we had to put them back on. Now, that rule, that science is, again, not the case as he states it. I would not call any of these necessarily lies. A lie is knowingly not telling the truth. He just had a long record of wrong, a record one would think a scientist so lauded and with so much experience would either have right or couch with uncertainty and humility and doubt. But Dr. Fauci was never in doubt. And neither was the fawning press that saw him as the anti-Trump. Just very much and often wrong. Until a lie was discovered at the end of last year. Again, after the election. Again, let me quote from the New York Times. Quote, in the pandemic's early days, Dr. Fauci tended to cite the same 60 to 70 percent that most experts did regarding the threshold for herd immunity. About a month ago, he began saying 70-75% in television interviews. And last week, this is in December, last week in an interview with CNBC News, he said 75, 80, 85%, and 75 to 80 plus percent. Still quoting the New York Times, in a telephone interview the next day, Dr. Fauci acknowledged that he had slowly but deliberately been moving the goalposts. He is doing so, he said, partly based on new science and partly on his gut feeling that the country is finally ready to hear what he really thinks, close quote. That, my friends, is now to be labeled a lie. Telling the American people numbers and goals he never believed himself and admitted to telling us falsely because his judgment was that we could not handle the truth. Used to be that Colonel Nathan Jessup, as played by Jack Nicholson, was a criminal and charged with not only lying but homicide when his claim to justice and experience was you can't handle the truth. Colonel Jessup, like Director Fauci, however, for far too long, has now gotten away with being a law unto himself and someone even Hollywood once upon a time would make a villain of for arrogating honesty and power to himself at the expense of the lives for which he was purportedly responsible. So we have a man used to making massively sweeping statements that created guidelines and orders for the rest of the nation, most of which were wrong, who lied about yet one further datum on everyone's minds because he thought we could not handle the truth. And he routinely still gets interviewed. And he routinely is still called an expert. And today he can broadcast for the second time that to argue with him is to argue with science, the self-serving justification of every tyrant and dictator since the Sun King. The media has no problem 
elevating and continually promoting this man of self-declared scientific wisdom. Any more than say Joy Behar gets into trouble for saying Dr. Jill Biden is a very good doctor who should be our Surgeon General. The media that can think Dr. Jill Biden is a very good doctor who should be our Surgeon General is the same media and culture that allows Dr. Fauci to claim scientific expertise, especially against the Neanderthals, who, if fact-checking were a real thing, turned out to be more right about more things than Behar and Fauci combined. So back to the new variant. It comes from South Africa. It's called the Omicron variant. And Joe Biden, along with Kamala Harris, remember they who called Donald Trump xenophobic and motivated by hate for banning travel from China when the coronavirus first appeared. They, Biden and Harris, have now ordered travel bans from the following countries, South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Namibia, Lesotho, Eswatini, Mozambique and Malawi. It's not racist, xenophobic or anti-science. You know why? Democrats did it. Perhaps it even was done on the advice of an expert in masks and herd immunity and vaccine development, or other very good doctors like Jill Biden. I do understand the exigency. After all, Joe Biden last year said, quote, anybody responsible for 220,000 deaths should quite simply not be president, close quote. It was at that debate with Biden and Trump, that Joe Biden said it was the one thing he said he hoped the audience would take away. Bill, play it. 220,000 Americans dead. You hear nothing else I say tonight. Hear this. Anyone who's responsible for not taking control, in fact, not saying I'm, I take no responsibility initially, anyone who's responsible for that many deaths, should not remain as president of the United States of America. 220,000. If you're responsible for that many deaths, you should not be president of the United States. Well, we're over 399,000 on Joe Biden's watch. A watch that came after a year of learning about the virus. A watch that included being handed the vaccine. And last I checked, he's not resigning anytime soon. Deaths also, like racism, xenophobia, and fear of science, do not exist when Democrats do it, and do it worse, evidently, or Malcolm X-loving BLM-supporting madmen. As Richard III put it to the grieving widow Anne, I slew them not, but as Anne said, then say they are not dead, but dead they are. Meanwhile, we've forgotten not only our Shakespeare, it seems— We've forgotten our Rob Reiner and Jack Nicholson and what the justification of every tyrant since the word tyranny was invented has meant as well. Aren't you glad you've put your lives in the hands of these folks? I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. We have a obviously lot to cover here today. Several groups here at uh, Arizona State University. Have you seen this, Bill? Um, there's a student at ASU. He's an online student right now. Um, they want him kicked out of ASU. 
And it's not because he's a white student in the multicultural center, like the other two white students were kicked out of that multicultural center. He is, I think, white, I think, and um, but he's not just at the multicultural center, so they want him removed from the entire school. You know who that student is? It's Kyle Rittenhouse. You knew once it was discovered what college he was attending that there would be an effort from the mob to remove him from that education, from that college or university. According to WP, uh, excuse me, WBTW, which is News um, News uh, 13 CBS affiliate out of Phoenix, social media posts from Arizona State University Students for Justice in Palestine and Students for Socialism ASU call for Rittenhouse to be removed. They've also, of course, put out all kinds of personal information on him. The demands are all over Twitter and the rest of social media. Students for Justice in Palestine. I can see why Rittenhouse would be their concern. Students for Socialism at ASU. You've heard, if you haven't heard uh, of this group, it's because you haven't been listening to this show. I have mentioned several times this group at ASU, Students for Socialism at ASU, I don't need to say anything about them. They'll tell you themselves. I don't need to say anything pejorative about them. They will tell you themselves. The difference is what I think pejorative, they think a badge of honor. Let me take you to their Twitter account, Students for Socialism, ASU, SFASU, SFSASU, has uh, about, uh, what, a little over 1,400 followers. That's not nothing. What's the average Twitter follower have? Far less. Far, far less. Here's their um, here's what they say about themselves on Twitter. This is their biography. Students for Socialism at Arizona State University is a socialist revolutionary Marxist club. Our mission is to end capitalism and fight for socialism. They are a revolutionary Marxist club. Now you would think an organization dedicated to violence which they say in their calling card, might have more people clamoring for those members to be kicked out of ASU than for someone exonerated for enacting violence by a jury of his peers in what had to have been one of the most watched, observed criminal trials since really O.J. Simpson, to be quite honest with you. I'm trying to think of a trial in a court that was more watched than this one. I think more perhaps watched than even the one involving the cop who shot George Floyd or shot, leaned on, uh, kneeled on, was responsible for the death of George Floyd. That's okay. Groups who proclaim proudly revolutionary Marxism, violent overthrow of the government, which, by the way, pays for their education and pays for their ability to attend ASU. They, along with the students for justice in Palestine, they, they, they get all the attention here, while Rittenhouse's guilt is just presumed, although found nowhere, except in the fever swamps some people call brains, 
that are affixed to the top of the heads of the Students for Justice and the Marxists at ASU, whose affiliations ideologically have led to the deaths of well over 100 million people throughout history. Do they teach that at ASU? I bet not. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 34 after the hour gives us our economy and culture, our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski, Jr. of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. The word on uh, wealth is uh, his radio show, and uh, he can be heard here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. John, I hope you had a really good holiday. I did. Thank you so much, and I, I hope the same for yourselves and your listeners. Thank you. I want to go up uh, before too long, probably within the next week or so, to Prescott to your wife's uh, to your wife's oh, store. Yeah. You want to mention about that for for <laughs> Christmas shopping? This is the place sure. to be, right? Liberty Lane is the name of it, right on the square yeah. up in Prescott. And uh, boy, it's a wonderful shop up there, and all of the local shop owners would love it for all of us down here in the valley to come up there and. Help them out a little bit. Love the name Liberty Lane. Liberty mm-hmm. Lane. We weren't here. On, there. We yep. weren't. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We weren't here on Friday because we were exercising some other liberties. Uh-huh. But it turned out it was really one of the worst days for the market, wasn't it? And there's a little down down splash from that, isn't there? Yeah, we did uh, see on Friday. It was uh, one of the worst trading days of 2021, and part of the reason was, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, though, of course, there was the new uh, COVID variant that was, was it called Omicron? I'm trying to get the correct pronunciation of the Omicron variant. (laughs) Yes, the new variant. Omicron or Omicron or Omicron. But anyway, I don't know where they came up with the name. But um, that's the new variant that's uh, potentially, uh, and this is what the uh, Powell had talked about basically Fed Chair Powell saying that this variant could pose some downside risk to the economy, also could compl- complicate some of the inflationary uh, concerns that we have out there. Uh, so that's part of the reason that we did see this. But what's interesting, Seth, on a day like we saw on Friday, which the market was only open three and a half hours for trading on, on Friday, so it was a, a shortened trading day. And oftentimes there are a lot of the you know, people out there that normally would be uh, participating in day-to-day trading in the markets are not really around. Mm-hmm. And so when something like this happens, it kind of exacerbates and creates a lot of volatility that may not have happened if it was a regular trading day, because it would have give, given most investors the opportunity to uh, take a little bit of time and try to understand what was happening before maybe they placed their trades. But I would say this on the other side of it as well is if... There were, you know, it was a normal day of trading. It, it very possibly could have even been worse. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think today was, though, a little bit of a recovery day, uh, which leads to tell us that most likely it was a little bit over um, exacerbated on, on uh, Friday. And now we're starting to get back to reality once we try to understand what's exactly happening. Are we, uh, are we picking up anything uh, valuable from what is supposed to be a great day for online shopping as, a, as compared and put together with Black Friday? Right. Well, we did see actually that the online, this is the first year in many years, that the online 
purchases uh, did not, um, you know, exceed what they did the prior year. So we saw less online purchases, uh, and some are indicating that's possible. Maybe people were concerned that they weren't going to be able to get things for Christmas, so maybe they did their shopping early, or just people want to get the heck out of the house, Seth, and they want to get out and shop. And I will say, boy, it was really busy up in Prescott this weekend, and a lot of people out and about. Uh, So definitely people want to be out and, uh, you know, get back into some holiday spirit, it looked like. Yeah, that was my sense, too, walking around. I didn't go really into, well, maybe I went into one. I went into one store, but a lot of a lot of walking around just to kind of see what people were up to. There was a lot of shopping going on, but a lot yeah, of lines. It was a beautiful day. Yeah, beautiful it was a beautiful day, day but a lot of lines because they don't have yes. the help. They just don't yes, have e- the help. Yes, exactly right. And you and I talked about yep. that, right, with the restaurants out there. It's difficult. So uh, overall, though, uh, a big recovery today. Uh, again, some of the big tech stocks, uh, recovering very nicely today. Uh, and we're going to just kind of wait and see how this plays out over the next week or two, Seth, and as we get more and more information on this new strain of the virus. Uh, the president did come out and basically state at this point he doesn't feel that lockdowns are going to be something that are necessary, at least at this point. But there are more and more people out there that are beginning to uh, push, again, mandating vaccinations. So uh, we're going to have to just wait and see and if the Supreme Court's going to be the one that's ultimately going to vote on that or not. But as of right now, uh, markets, I think, did what many expected they were going to do today. And so that recovery was welcomed for investors. By the way, on this Omicron name, John, you'll find yeah. this interesting. The World Health Organization is who dedicate, who has these naming rights, you know. Right. And right. they went to Omicron. You know why? The, the, the more appropriate one that it would have been the 14th letter of the Greek alphabet is actually Z-X-I. And as the World Health Organization put it, that's too common of a surname. To which I say, well, yeah, if you're the president of China, that's the only person any of us have ever known. (laughs) All right, brother, this is how we're doing it now. All right, yeah, exactly. All right, Securities and Advisory Services are for the Clarence Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and Sipkin, an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Clarence Securities LLC, and not affiliated. Thanks, Seth. Talk tomorrow. Thank you, brother. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I was just thinking about the phrase mob justice. I was thinking about that phrase in the context of these mobs that want ASU to expel Kyle Rittenhouse for the crime of wanting to be a nursing student or maintain being a nursing student there. And I was just thinking about this notion of generally mob justice and why these kids may not understand what the heck they're talking about. And it dawns on me, because I was thinking about where most of us learned first about it, whether in the history books and the terrible saga and history involved in lynchings in this country, whether it was about the 1838 speech on vigilantism that Abraham Lincoln spoke of in his Lyceum Address, or really the novel I think most of us read growing up that was so impactful to us and then became a movie to kill a mockingbird. And it dawned on me they do the issue of mob justice so well there, especially dealing with the delicate issues and contemporary then issues of race that were involved. 
how interesting it is that To Kill a Mockingbird has been efforted as to be banned, not taught anymore. Now, once upon a time, certain books were sought to be banned by conservatives. That's really not the issue anymore. It's kind of flipped. It has totally flipped. And it is leftists who want books like To Kill a Mockingbird banned. I was just looking at an NBC News op-ed column. I didn't know they ran op-eds over at NBC News. They evidently do, and this one from an instructor, we are told, who was a graduate of Harvard, which is not a surprise, making the argument for, in fact, banning To Kill a Mockingbird because of its use of language and how offended kids would be by reading words that hurt them in a novel. And it reminded me of what Eric Greitens, then the governor of Missouri, wrote to his children when their school, his children's school, wanted a ban to killing, to kill a mockingbird. He wrote that my best teachers used a lot of red ink in their day. To the extent I do some things well, it's because they pointed out the things I did wrong. Sure, it didn't always feel good, but they were right to correct me. They were right to worry more about deepening my learning than hurting my feelings. Because there's wisdom in that red ink. Growing up, one of my favorite books was Harper Lee's To Killing, To Kill a Mockingbird. You are now told you can't read it because it makes some people feel uncomfortable. I read those words once, and they made me uncomfortable. They were... Words you don't use, your grandparents taught me and your mom that. They also explained the difference between reading words on a page and using them yourself. And I want you to read To Kill a Mockingbird. It's beautiful, it's moving, it's full of wisdom, and yes, some words in it will make you uncomfortable. And when they do, your mom and I will talk to you about them. Part of the wisdom of the book is how the characters respond to those troubling words but you can't appreciate their actions without feeling the discomfort. The author wanted you to wince. That kind of discomfort is how you grow. You should read books that stop you in your tracks. Your coaches should make you sweat and put you through pain, and your teachers should push and challenge you through what you read. Our culture forgets this. It's a culture that out of concern will try to shield you. You'll get trophies for showing up. Your teachers will fret about giving you a bad grade. You'll get told not to read books because of a few bad words. If you're not careful, you'll end up encased in bubble wrap. Don't let that happen. Remember, a culture of banned books leads to a culture of brittle people. If you avoid what might offend or bother you, you'll also miss out on things that will stretch and strengthen you. Discomfort is the warm-up act to growth. I can tell you this much. In this house, we're going to read To Kill a Mockingbird. It might, well, make you uncomfortable. And that's the point. You also might learn something about mob justice and racism. Something the generation's right below us, folks, right below us, have no concept of anymore because our schools have robbed them of it. And thus they engage 
and mob justice, thinking it's just fine and dandy. In fact, they'll say nothing about it at ASU, as they've said nothing about the two students that threw two other students out of a multicultural center because of race. They'll throw around the words racism and have no concept of what they mean because they themselves have robbed those words of their meaning. The word racism can no longer be attached to real racism any more than we can talk about weather attaching to things and days hot and warm and cold and seasonal and heated. They have taken away those descriptors from us by rendering them a joke and a political prize, a political sword with which to hurt, condemn, denounce, and remonstrate against your opponent. When words like racism and bigotry and white supremacy, words pregnant and important to describe evil in this world, are robbed of that special poignancy, of that special description of those things. And when those aberrant hobgoblins of real racism raise their head and we have nothing with which to describe them or call them out on, or if our reference point is to the most innocent things in the world because they just happened to have an R after their name or believe in something that George Washington or Thomas Jefferson or John Adams or Benjamin Franklin wrote, then you've really become not just a member of the mob who wants to invoke your form of justice, You've turned words, which were our common bond of humanity, a miracle that would allow us each to communicate with and understand each other, into your own dictionarial use, so that your truth is founded upon nothing more than your use of words. And we don't have a dictionary anymore that can define these things any more than we'll have a common culture that can abhor them because you've given us 331 million dictionaries and definitions to words that used to just mean one terribly bad and important thing. So excuse us for not getting excited about your excitations, which frankly, at this point, are just simply irrelevant, if not wrong. I was um, preparing for, uh, for our interview with Brandon Weikert at the top of the next hour, who gives us a survey of world and foreign relations, only to um, stumble upon something I don't know if you knew was transpiring right now. There are talks attempting to be made with the Iranian regime, the leadership of Iran, over a new nuclear deal. I don't know how closely you've been following this. But when I say talks attempted, 
It's the Biden administration that's attempting them, with Iran giving us the hand in the face almost at every moment. The delegations are in Austria right now, in Vienna. And as the Wall Street Journal reports right now, for months the U.S. has been all but begging Iran to return to the table, though the U.S. won't literally even be at the table in Vienna. Iran refuses to talk to the U.S. directly. So American negotiators have to work through European intermediaries. The U.S. seems undeterred by this intentional humiliation. Let me just pause on that story for a moment, on that report for one moment, and ask you, when you confront an enemy regime to strike a deal, to strike a compromise, to strike an accord, to strike an agreement, do you push for it when they don't want it? Is this a good idea for the stronger party to push for it when the weaker party doesn't want it? For months, the U.S. has been all but begging Iran to return to the table. Is that the posture we should be in? Did you know Iran walked away from talks earlier this year? How far was that reported with this great assemblage of foreign policy minds who could repair the world to Kunalam better than the Donald Trump administration. Did you know that? Since Iran walked away, the Wall Street Journal goes on, from talks earlier this year, Tehran has elevated even more hardline president and ex- an even more hardline president and accelerated its enrichment of nuclear fuel. Iran has also continued to restrict international reporters inspectors' access to its nuclear sites. Rafael Mariano Grosse, head of the International Atomic Energy Agency, reported last week that the talks about verification are inconclusive. Diplomatic speak for they failed. This is really very interesting, isn't it? And what a great turn on our foreign policy. Donald Trump can be the dangerous man for creating peace in the Middle East on a scale not seen since the Camp David Accords of Menachem Begin and Anwar Sadat and Jimmy Carter. But Joe Biden here is hat in hand trying to convince the Iranians to sit at a table with us and don't walk away from us again as you elect harder and harder line leadership. Is that success, I guess, in Joe Biden's dictionary? That's his truth. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.